from Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. Good morning, good morning, morning, morning all. Friday. Good it's morning. Just, yep. It's it's just like that 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 D mob happy time, isn't it? It's great. It is. Apart from well, well, tonight, is it well? Friday? It is on. it Friday? Because Christmas confuses you with dates. It could be Monday. Well, some of us have been working, you see. So, like, I, I, I know exactly <laughs> where I am and what date it is, and it's, it's frankly unfair. It is very unfair. Some of us don't Rai's, stop working. And Rai's been learning oh, Greek badly. I have, your I have, I have. Hello. Good morning to Zeki everywhere. That is Greek for good morning. It's absolutely not. That's tragic. Quick clarification. What, what does it actually mean, Ted? What's that? Gallimera. It's the Gallimera is good morning. Yes. Ah, right. Gali- Tatsi- Tatsi- Gallimera? Is, is a dip that you put on your... <laughs> yeah, Gary Barlow. That's right, yes. Gary Barlow. Um, it's a... Tatsiki is a yogurt everyone. dip that you'd normally put on your kebab. That's it. I'm learning I thought Greek it was. for next year. That's my that's my New Year's resolution. I'm learning Greek. I, I can help yeah. you a little bit. Well, yeah, that's what I not, want to know. Yeah, right next to you. Yeah. As you said before Come we came to... on air, Ted, maybe you should try learning English first. Well, I mean, he's, he's murdering every other language, isn't he? <laughs> Including English. Hey, James Rodriguez. Bolognese. Yeah. I've been good this Mario week. Balotelli. <laughs> James <Oregon> Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Just learn the basics. Big, big morning, though. It is... It is Friday the 29th, and uh, it's our last show before uh, New Year comes upon us. So mm-hmm. we've got lots to talk about Our last about show morning. of 2023, fellas. That's it. it. is. It. it is. And we've I got two it. games to look forward to, chaps. Nothing in the Premier League yeah. yet. But we've got Huddersfield against Middlesbrough tonight. And we've also got Sunderland away to Rotherham. So uh, we'll be focusing yes. in on both of those games, as, as well as looking at a, a few topics. Um... VAR is going to rear its ugly head, I'm afraid, lads, because obviously watching... I chose to watch one game last night. I watched the uh, the, the the West Ham game against Arsenal. Yeah, same. Uh, and, of course, we saw the controversial uh, goal given, uh, the first goal, which was it in, was it out? Uh, camera angles were terrible. Uh, VAR discussion went on for ages. Um, they decided, because they couldn't see the ball because it was blocked uh, by... A big thigh, but um, you know they were going to give the goal, so we can talk a little bit more about that. Mm. VAR. And you know what, Steve? You know what, don't you? Yeah. It's embarrassing. It's a (laughs) disgrace. That's what it is. A disgrace. Absolutely. Yeah. Did he actually say that last night? I wonder because it wouldn't be surprised. He did. did. What he said. What he said was. He would have had to. Just not good enough. VAR is just not good enough. He's changed his words. It's not good enough yet. Well, that's it. We need a, we need a little clip of that so we can play that one as well. Ted uh, predicted but, it yesterday as well. Ted got yeah. it right. He said he said tonight yeah. if Brighton and uh, West Ham win, Newcastle could slide a bit, and they did. Brighton, Brighton pulling off this wonderful four-two win it? against Tottenham and Postecoglou, who was my tip to get sacked at the start of the season, um, who yep. to be has defied all these critics. Is actually um, hit a bit of a slippery slope, Spurs. Are they, are they starting to get found out already? And Brighton, mm. you know, sticking four goals past them uh, last night. Uh, certainly a few frailties shown there with, with, with Spurs. 
Um, also a chance to look at um, the, the the world's top football clubs preparing to lose players going to the African nations. Um, it, it, the club versus country issue, is it still relevant? Uh, there's going to be a few teams in the Premier League, especially in that top top six or seven, who are going to lose some big name players. Um, should they be losing them at this stage of the season? Uh, also going to uh, speak to Radio Dad about Sam Allison. Uh, we, what? We didn't cover it yesterday. Uh, he became the first black referee to take charge of a Premier League match in 15 years. But we know, mm, we know the angle. We know the angle that everybody's failed to grasp, haven't we? Well, that's yeah. it. Everybody's well, focusing well, on, the, on the colour of his skin, but he's actually the first ex-professional player to referee in the Premier yeah. League. Well, why is it taking so long, Dave, for, for, for somebody to come in? I mean, Uriah Rennie, I think we all remember him. I mean, he was one of those referees who... He was probably one of the first to court publicity. He used to be riding around on his bike and his leathers. He, you know, he was the man who sent Shearer off, which gave him a bit of notoriety as well. It just takes one incident like that for everybody to remember you. But Uriah Rennie was, was, was the last black referee in the Premier League. And um, Sam's come through um, by... You know, I, I watched him and I watched Rebecca. Um, I watched the two games. I thought they had great games, um, and, and there, it's a breath of fresh air to see two new officials coming in who can who, who can do the job. Um, but what, yeah. what, why is it taking so long? Do you think, Dave? Well, in, I mean, Sam's a, a Sam's a unique one, isn't he? I mean, why is it taking so long for the player, ex-player, to come through, or or, well, uh, or, both, or black referee? Both. both. Um, black referee simply because uh, that that part of the BAME community is mass. Well, I suppose the whole of the BAME uh, community is is massively underrepresented. Uh, the FA tried to do something about it earlier in the year, grassroots level. They introduced a, um, a program to to bring at least a thousand um, a thousand match officials through from uh, from the the BAME community. Um, so that's gonna, you know, that's already kicked in uh, three or four months ago with the FA grassroots level. They, the hope is that it's gonna, it's gonna encourage more and more from uh, underrepresented communities to come into refereeing, and you're gonna see it filter through at the higher levels as, as this this new influx of referees start progressing. So it's a simple case of numbers. In the case of uh, of 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 him being, you know, the first black referee to be coming through at the highest level. Um, for a ridiculous amount of time, in terms of professional footballers, I mean the vast majority of professional footballers w- footballers wouldn't want to be referees. By the time they've retired, they wouldn't want to start referee training. Um, you know, they would expect to fast track through, and it's not that easy to fast. Even a professional footballer, it's not that easy to fast track somebody through at the Premier League. Say in five years, it just isn't um, because there's so much there's so much learning has to be done. Not not learning from a textbook perspective, but on how to apply the laws of the game, on you know how to how to how to manage players, that man management, um, all of that is is uh, they're all skills that you develop over time. Uh, it's not something you can you can just you know insert new chip, reboot, and and off you go. It's so so that's that's the reasons why. For, for mm. me though, Dave. Right, I mean, sorry to interrupt, Steve. I know, I know it's your short today, mate. But um, disgusting, Ted. Why? Why aren't some <laughs> of the referees? <laughs> whatever. Um, why aren't some of the referees associations getting in amongst the academies then? Because obviously, you know, there's there's thousands upon thousands of, of, of young young lads and lasses who are getting, you know, I, I don't want to use the word discarded from academies, but they just don't mm. make the grade, and they're not going to be professional footballers. So for me, the referees' associations should be getting into the academies, a educating 
young people about about the the role of the referee, which may actually command more respect on on on, on game time. But also, you know, give them an alternative, a way for them to stay in football, um, you know, and potentially even have a career in football. They're going to earn from being a referee, but why, why aren't they doing that more? They are and they aren't. Um, I mean, the, the Referees Association, let, let, just, just for clarity, the Referees Association uh, have nothing to do with the formal progression route for, for, for referees and the development of referees. They do help. It's, it's effectively the referees union. And yeah. when you're a referee, you join it, and it's a bit of peer-to-peer learning. You've got more experienced referees who've been doing it for a while, and it really helps. I mean, I, I was a member of the referee, uh, the referee association, and um, it does help because you've got all, all all those all those guys locally who you look up to have been refereeing locally when you first start out. They've been refereeing locally for for 25 years, and then you know you do have members who are refereeing on the football league. In my case, I had Graham Franklin, who was a a football league referee uh, when I was coming through. Uh, lad from Middlesbrough, and he was a member of my RA. So it is good, but the real development of training and the and, and the pathway for referees is 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 done by the FA, and locally at grassroots level, it's done by your county FA. And those county FAs, I can only speak for North Riding because that was my parent county, but North Riding are heavily integrated into the Middlesbrough Academy situation. So they yeah. supply developing referees, young referees of shown talent who've been identified. Uh, to go through and they'll referee these academy games at Middlesbrough, at, at, at Herworth, uh, Rockcliffe Training Ground. So, so they do get in there, but I suppose you've got to ask football clubs. You know, would football clubs roll out the red carpet for the local county FAs to come in and start talking to their uh, academy? I was going to say not academy graduates because it's the lads who don't make the grade um, and the lasses now who don't make the grade. So I think they're... I think it's a parent thing as well. So the parents have seen their kids get through to the football academies. They're not going to be signed on as pros. Do they take them to other clubs in the hope that they will, you know, be able to uh, to continue a football career? I think refereeing is going to be the last thing in a parent's mm. mind. It's almost an admission of failure for their kid um, and for the individual themselves. You know, I've been in an academy surroundings for the last six years. I've not got a professional contract. I need to go and find myself a professional contract, I think, is what would be top of mind, not I'm going to take up refereeing. How long does it take yeah. for somebody who starts off, uh, you know, at the bottom rung to, to make it to, to where Sam Allison's got to now than Dave? Uh, traditionally, it was about 12, 13 years would be the, the fastest you could get into the, the top flight. Um, mm. But that would be a referee that's shown... Uh, shown uh, a decent level of skill set and performance and showing a lot of promise um, you know other, other referees could take that long and still be in the local parks game it all depends on what they want to do I was fast tracked uh, I was under the old system I wasn't you know the uh, what was class it's a level 10 right the way through to level 1 which is where the Premier League guys are now I was the old uh, class 1 class 2 class 3 and I went 3-2-1 in, in successive years so you know I was I was a little bit fast tracked and then I got straight straight onto the Unibond League rather than going through the Northern League so there was a fast track progression in what I was doing and, and that was simply down to the way I was performing on the field so so things can be fast-tracked, but you'll never find somebody walking in a, on a parks level with a whistle for the first time getting into the Premier League inside of 10 years. That just won't happen. Now, professional footballers' argument is a little bit different because they do have a level of fitness. They do have a level of understanding of the game, though it's massively warped and incorrect. They do uh, have an understanding of the laws of the game, which <laughs> is completely 99% wrong. But that, that's the sort of stuff that can be taught. You know, they have a feel for the game. They have an understanding of players. Now, 
what they need bolted into their into their toolkit is 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 not deep experience at trying to understand the game as you're refereeing it because they've already got that so you could see technically uh, a professional footballer retire from football early maybe through injury uh, because then age is on their side and within I don't know within six years they they could be refereeing in the professional game that that's just an estimate on my part that's not hard proven fact do you have to take turns? Yeah, no. Do you have to take turns to do the line as well, Dave? Sorry, right? Is it? Is this something because no, you right. know? Because obviously, starting off at the bottom level, yeah. the, you know, the very bottom level, there's yeah. no linesman. So, so for example, somebody goes and referees um, a Sunday a Sunday game, um, you know, uh, you know, in in the Gated and District League or, or whatever. Uh, there's no linesman. You have club officials who have to do the line and that. Yeah. But, as, as you progress up to say the Northern League, um, they have linesmen. Uh, they do. You know, so so do you have to? Is it do you have to take a turn at doing the line? How you, how does that how does that work? What what you do is you will you will you will officiate as a linesman or an assistant referee. Technically, it's called now, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You'll officiate you'll officiate on the line at one level higher than where you're refereeing. So right. you'll get you'll get a set of fixtures for the month and. If you are a local, um, I was going to say local parks referee, that's slightly different because there are people who just want to referee socially in the, the local parks game. They've got no interest in, in promotion and climbing the ladder. So let's remove them out of the equation. So a young kid comes out, gets experience as a referee parks level, suddenly decides he wants to then go you know, go for promotion and start, start climbing the ladder. He would then be assigned uh, a position as a linesman at one league higher. So... Let's, uh, and, and that's how you progress through the ranks. So if you were a, a Wearside League referee, you'd be, you'd, be, you'd be on the line in the Northern League. If you then got promoted to the Northern League, you'd then, you'd then move up. You'd be refereeing in the centre of the Northern League and you would be on the line of, of, of what was called the Unibond League, which is now National League North. You know, if you got promoted then to be a referee in National League North, you'd be a, you'd be a referee in the, the National League. You know, and it goes like that. And then it gets to a point towards the top end where you've got to make a decision. Do I want to be a referee full-time? Do I want to be an assistant referee full-time in the professional game? And then at that point, you split and you really focus on what you want to do. So you won't see, for example, lads who are refereeing in the football league on the line of the Premier League. You know, you, you've got to make, as soon as you get to the professional game level, you've got to make a decision. Uh, so it's probably when you're in the conference. When you're refereeing in the conference, um, when that next promotion comes, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to focus on being a, a linesman in the, f in, in the professional game or am I going to be a referee in the professional game? So, so that's how the progression is for referees. Mm. Go on, Ray. You had, you had a point you were going to make? I was just going to say, because part of my contract to, that was to say that Dave is the best referee I've ever seen. Oh, brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's part of the contract. Check, just need to slip month. that in. You're with us. But I also just <laughs> wanted to say quickly as well, we've had, we actually literally just yesterday I was watching, obviously, uh, the sports news and we're uh, the league that is underneath the A-League here. The A-League is like our top uh, footballing league. The league that's underneath that is now only down to one referee per match because they can't get linesmen. They don't have enough referees coming through the system here in Australia, especially for football. So, wow. yep, yep, the MPL. So, yeah, we only Jeez. have one referee. They've just, they just announced yesterday uh, and confirmed it yesterday that the league beneath the A-League, uh, which is the leagues, you know, and they're trying to make that into like a championship where the teams can come and go through the A-League sort of thing. Yeah, but that league is Div only... Two, they? Division 2. They are, they are, correct. Yeah. yeah. So that, that Div 2 in Australia only has one refereeing, no linesman now because they don't have enough people. Jeez, so, yeah. well, I'm sure Ted will be happy to send Jared Gillette back home. Um, I'm sure he would. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah, I'll... I'll, I'll best I'll referee I've ever seen. 
<laughs> yeah, best referee I've ever seen. Uh, I reckon. Best the monk can Yeah. <laughs> Gillette the best a man can get I love it <laughs> Is there going to be more women come through Dave do you think Rebecca Welsh obviously you know yeah. she's made she's made history do you think there'll be there'll be more call for women to come through and, and, and follow in her footsteps Yeah absolutely I think now that glass ceiling's been broken I mean I was um, I was refereeing with uh, oh what they call her um, Sean Massey and uh, there was another mm-hmm. girl who came through as well. We did our our um, instructors FA instructors course together. I've forgotten her name. I, I do apologise if she happens to be listening. Um, Aspinall? Uh, no, it wasn't. I'm trying to think of a name. I can't remember. Uh, don't worry. But the, these these were girls who were on the line in the professional game. But um, now now we've seen Rebecca come through and take charge of a Premier League game. I mean, it's just like the Lionesses. It's sending all the right signals out to uh, to yeah. girls and and younger women. Um, that there is a career there for them. There is there is something they you know they can progress to a to a high high standard. And do you know what? If I was a girl now, sixteen, fifteen, it's a wonderful time for for having a developing a career in football. If you're not going to be a player, because you know they, we've been us guys have been around refereeing for so long. You know we've got twenty eight thousand referees in in approximately in England. Of which a huge, the vast majority are male. Females are underrepresented in the males game, absolutely. But we've now got the WSL. We've now got the championship level below that. We've now got a, a fully formed women's game pyramid uh, of football mm-hmm. in, in, in England. And it's getting bigger. So, you know, lower down you go. You're seeing the likes of the Durhams coming through in this part of the world. Um, you know, Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Sunderland have got ladies' teams, as, as you guys keep mentioning on club headlines. And they need referees. So there is a massive opportunity for girls and young women now to... to g- I don't like using the term bandwagon, but jump on that refereeing bandwagon if you've got an interest in football, because it is hugely rewarding. As long as, as long as you're a sensible sort, it's hugely rewarding. If you want to go out and fight every weekend, then you'll stay in the Parks game. If you want to cause trouble and, and, and you know, not empathise on the field and, and just be a robot, then you might have a few problems. But for the vast majority of referees who are coming through, it's, it's hugely rewarding. It's... It is. I mean, it's but he, as much the as thing, people Dave, say, why the, the hell do you want to do it? It's hugely rewarding. Well, here's the yeah. thing exactly on that. I'm a dad of two girls and there's no way I would let my two girls become referees of the men game. I wouldn't. I just, it wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to suffer the abuse. I wouldn't want to put them through that heartache. Uh, and I'm not sure if there's any other dads out there that agree with me. And you can WhatsApp in on the show at any time, but I'm, I'm firm. I am firmly standing here saying that I would not let my two girls at any age go and co- go and referee a men's game of football at any level. It is just the, the abuse they would cop, the the sexism they would cop, the, the disgusting nature that is still surrounding our game. And it's the small minority. I get it. But I was, as a dad, as a, as a protector of my girls, I wouldn't want them near the man's game. If they want to go and referee the female game, then by all means, I would love them to do that and get involved with the female game by all means. It's growing and I think it's got, going, got a good future. But in no way would I want to see my girls being uh, being subjected to what female referees would be subjected to in the male game. Now, I'm not talking Premier League or Championship. I'm talking about where they have to start off to get to those likes of levels because uh, I just wouldn't want it. And I don't know. I don't but, but know somebody, how. I don't know how James Johnson has his team running it in Australia, but certainly over here they would have that option to say, "I just want to referee the women's game." Mm. Or, or when they're coming through, to be, to be quite honest, and my, that. And my daughter did, and yep. my, my daughter did. So when she was fourteen, she started. She picked up the whistle, and she, 
After, yeah. after less than half a dozen games, she gave in because of the abuse from parents. But you, you start at youth football exactly. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of support that's been put in place, particularly here in England, where there's a lot of people who work on a voluntary basis for the local county FA who go out and, and they are mentors and they attend the games with, with the referees, particularly at that young tender age when they're first you know, exposed to, to, the, to the evils of football. Um, so there's a lot of support there. It would be a case of... I'm, I'm sure it would be a similar model in Australia. You know, your girls, when they're old enough, they could go through and they could start refereeing under nines games where it's all about development, referee as well as players, as well as coaches. Um, and then they could turn around and say, I want to referee in the women's game. I'm sure, I'm sure that's a possibility. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll leave that there because uh, we've got news headlines to, to, to get through. And then uh, we're going to come back and talk about one of our favourite subjects, VAR. <laughs> Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Newcastle United are going to step up their interest in Manchester City's Calvin Phillips and hope a loan deal can be agreed swiftly once the January uh, transfer window opens. The midfielder is viewed as a top priority for Eddie Howe's team, sources say. Signing Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper Hugo Lloris would represent an upgrade on Newcastle United's current goalkeeper options. That's the view of former Spurs and England goalkeeper Paul Robinson, who believes Lloris is a better option than Martin Dubravka and Loris Karius, whilst Nick Pope uh, currently recovers from injury. Newcastle won't make any permanent signings in the January transfer window and instead will look to utilise the loan market to improve their injury-hit squad. That's the verdict of Magpies legend Andy Cole, who believes Newcastle have been smart with their recruitment under the current ownership and he is confident that they won't panic by next month. That's your Newcastle headlines on Friday morning. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Friday. We have football for us tonight. Middlesbrough head to Huddersfield for their final game of the year, looking to bounce back after their defeat to Rotherham United on Boxing Day. A 7.45pm local kickoff for Borough as they look to overturn a run of four unbeaten games against the hosts. Darren Moore will also be looking for his first winners manager against Borough, having never beaten them on previous occasions. John Smith will be tonight. Sorry, Josh Smith will be tonight's referee. Having ended uh, a run of three straight Boxing Day victories, Borough will hope to continue their fine recent record in the final game of the year as they've won four of their last five final games in the calendar year, including the last two. Hey, the luck is on our side. And with such quick turnaround, Borough aren't expecting any players back for the trip to John Smith Stadium tonight. The surprise choice is to lead the line tonight may be Matt Crooks. With Latte Last still unavailable and Josh Coburn still nursing and returning to full fitness, Borough have been without a recognised striker for the past two games. And just finally, Michael Carrick hopes that Tom Glover can take the positives from his international stub by using his opportunity to show Australia what he's capable of at Middlesbrough. Could have, uh, Borough could have been facing over a month without their first and second choice goalkeepers with Senny Dieng at the Africa Cup of Nations and Glover being selected to take part in the Asian Cup. But only having made one of five, sorry, having made five Carabao appearances for the Australian squad was announced Glover was left out of Graham Arnold's squad for the final tournament. Get it off me, I obviously need a drink. Go to 10. My God, that's your headlines. It's embarrassing. <laughs> that's what it is. That's that was that was Mackens terrible. And proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans, and welcome to Friday. The
The worst fears have been confirmed for Niall Huggins after sustaining an injury in the 3-0 defeat to Coventry and was subsequently stretched off. A club statement has read, Sunderland FC confirms that Niall Huggins will undergo surgery after suffering a significant knee injury. The Wales International was withdrawn in the 85th minute of the club's fixture versus Coventry City after landing awkwardly. Although no specific timescale has been placed upon his return to action at this stage, it is expected that the defender will miss at least the remainder of the 2023-24 season. Everyone at the cap, the red and the team is supporting Nile at this incredibly difficult time and will be keeping our fingers crossed he's back on the pitch as soon as possible. Michael Beale is targeting consistency as part of his plan for the Black Cats in the second half of the season and has some plans on how to achieve that too. The big thing for me now is that we need consistency. In the first half of our season, we won 10 and lost 10. So it's clear that we can beat anyone, but on our off day, anyone can beat us. On the first game of our second half of the season, if you like, that's a big positive, but we must back it up at Rotherham. Speaking about his ideas to address the consistency, he said, there's been a couple of small changes that people will start to see. As a coach, I hope the players take their chance, but I do have a queue of people behind me that want a chance under a new head coach. They feel they've got a better quality in a better area than they've shown at Sunderland so far. That's a good thing that we've got people dying to get on, jumping to get on the pitch. And finally, former Sunderland man Jan Mvia says he would love to return to Sunderland to help the club back to the Premier League. The France international spent a memorable season at the Black Cats as he helped guide the site of Premier League survival during the 15-16 campaign. Speaking to French press, he said, I spoke with a lot of league 1 clubs, but I didn't get that feeling. Given my qualities and my leadership, I think I can help a lot of teams. I believe in myself. I don't need the money. I want to play. With all the respect I have for Ligue 2, I don't see myself playing in this championship. There is only one club for which I would agree to return to the lower division for, and that is Sunderland, to help them return to the Premier League. I had an extraordinary year there. I'm not just a footballer. I can help on and off the pitch. I know the moments of crisis. I'm a reliable person. If you trust me, I will give it back to you a thousand times. It'd be interesting to see what happens there, Sunderland fans. That's your headlines. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North East, the Reds, the Cat and the Tears. Steve, Steve, permission to approach. Yes. Permission Go to for approach. It. With head bowed. Fellas, I got it wrong. You know, I absolutely nailed the oh. fact that, that Wayne Rooney would be a complete unmitigated disaster. <laughs> <laughs> However, my prediction <laughs> of he'll be gone by Christmas has passed. So I yes, stand before you. Yes. I stand before you with head bowed. Mm. Yeah, no yep. worries, mate. No worries. We've it won't be long. I'm, we'll call I'm it the festive season. We'll give it a reckon, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally been just reading. They reckon Steve Cooper's in line at Birmingham. That they're lining him up right now to replace wow. Wayne Rooney. So I'm literally reading that right now. So you weren't far off, mate. And you've honestly, I'm going to give it to you because you were 98. percent Right, he has had a shocking run since taking over Birmingham. They've gone from fifth to nineteenth. He's won something like, is it? It's something. It's like two games in thirteen or something like. He is shocking. So yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, Birmingham fans, but uh, our, our radio dad did call it. So before a ball yeah. was kicked. Before yes. a ball was kicked. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? We've talked about it on the show, lads, about, uh, you know, ex-players, do they make good managers? And um, we've seen some high-profile names really have absolute disasters um, in, in this country. You know, Ger- Gerard um, coming to Villa, uh, complete failure. Frank Lampard at Chelsea, 
failure. Uh, and now Wayne Rooney at Birmingham. I mean, it, it's you know maybe it's time for clubs to look you know you know look for lesser known names you know to come in and, and take clubs over. Yeah, oh, yeah. I no, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, definitely. I think you, you you've got to give a chance to young and up and coming managers that have had the experience, Steve. As well, I, I you know I, I like I look looks of you know Jason Tindall, uh, Michael Carrick's obviously got Aaron Danks, Jonathan Woodgate. You know, there's a lot of managers, even um, you know, even Dodsey at Sunderland. You know, the backup yeah, you know, coach now. You know what I mean? Like, there's well so many. Yeah. yeah, there's so many of those names getting around that deserve a chance to lead a club. But obviously, Birmingham, which you know most clubs would do, wanted that. What do they call it when they approached him? They wanted that marketable. You know, where they? Oh my goodness, Wayne Rooney's in charge of Birmingham. Do you know what I mean? It becomes Wayne Rooney's Birmingham yeah. rather than just Birmingham, but. The club can never be smaller than the man is what is the way I see it. I don't think there should be any coach or manager that's bigger than the club. And if you're going for a marketing purpose of it to be able to sell shirts or whatever it is, you're doing it wrong because what's going to sell shirts is results, getting promoted and being top of the league. That's honestly my, that's the best way you're going to sell merchandise or whatever it is that Birmingham were trying to do, not by instilling Wayne Rooney just because his name is Wayne Rooney. So, mm. and I, I would have much liked to have seen John Eustace, you know, stayed there. And then, you know, Birmingham were a real threat under him and he's now yeah. without a job as well. Do you know what I mean? You've got John Eustace sitting there who's a fantastic coach as well. So I think those guys, there's definitely, there's definitely more coaches out there that deserve a chance before an ex-player does. Together across the northeast. The Timbercat and the Reds. Oh, we're back, boys. We're back. Back with VAR as well. No. Uh, the PG, PGMOL have admitted once again to VAR failure uh, as Arsenal collapsed against West Ham in their bid to reclaim the top spot in the Premiership last night. And from the angles available at Stockley Park, it really was impossible to say whether the ball had remained in play in the build-up to Thomas Suket's opener. Um, I, I mean, this was this was just crazy last night it really was and you knew that they were going to have to give the goal because there just wasn't an angle which could yeah. give a conclusive answer um jared Bourne obviously was the man in question um arsenal fans were adamant that he'd failed to keep the ball in um but but obviously the you know when you looked at the camera angle it was just impossible to see did the ball cross the line or not in the build-up to the opening goal um one frame produced by the top of the range technology um which as we all know was installed in part to solve precisely these kind of problems showed the ball was still slightly in play but by the time you looked at the next frame, the ball had simply disappeared. Uh, was it over the line or was it hidden behind Jared Bowen's thigh? Um, it, was, it, it was probably, you know, it's a million to one chance that something like this is going gonna, is gonna to happen in a game. But, but again, but Stockley Park lacked the evidence. Didn't we see it the second so time for Arsenal? <laughs> I was going to say, didn't second we see it for St. James's? Yeah. yeah, exactly the same situation where VAR couldn't get a clear view. And it just led to Miguel Arteta. It's embarrassing. When Newcastle were delighted, Newcastle fans were celebrating last night. Disgrace. Yeah, we were celebrating last night because we thought, right, finally we can move on from them whinging about this, and they can start whinging about this one. But the reason this was, (laughs) you know, this was just so different that the camera angle, there was less camera angles for this than there was for the Anthony Gordon one at St James's Park, Um, and and. 
I guess the ruling, Dave, is that the, the whole ball has to be out of play. Now, my, my impression from the angles that I saw last night was that the whole ball wasn't out of play. play. So that, that, goal was, that, that goal was rightly yeah. awarded by the referee. The, and this is where a lot of people let themselves down. It happened with Japan in the World Cup, if you remember, in Qatar, where there was a cross yeah. put in and they scored and the whole world was going on about, oh, I clearly see it out of play. I can see green grass beyond the white line, you know, before, before you get to the bottom of the ball. The, the judgment on whether the ball's in or out of play is effectively from taking a helicopter view of the ball. You've got to look from directly above the ball down because there's a circumference on the ball. So you won't clear, yeah. by, by a low-level camera shot or even a player's angle, you can see green grass beyond the white line underneath the ball, but the ball can still be in play because take a look from directly above is, is, is the, the hole of the ball across the hole of the line when looking from above downwards. That's, that's how you judge whether a ball's in or out of play. Not on the bit that's touching the grass. That can be beyond the line. But the rest of the ball, you know, the inside edge, if you like, of the ball could still be hanging over the line. So that's your judgment. Mm. But for me, right, we've got goal line technology, which, which obviously, you know, that that helps the the decisions as far as goals are concerned. There's 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 a, a bit of kit that that's actually in the goalpost itself that lets you know immediately if the ball has crossed the line. Why aren't we deploying that further afield, stick it in the stand at the top of the stand somewhere and be able to measure it from there? That way you're getting that bird's eye angle of it. I, I, I just think this is an easier problem to fix. Than, can I, than, than can I take you back 24 hours? 24 hours ago we were, we were complaining that the, the addition of VAR in some games and not in others is hugely unfair. Now to go that next step further and have touchline technology, then the amount of cost increase and, and, and technology you're going to need is going to just explode. And those who are the richest at the top will could get it, but you're going further and further away from those who can't afford it. I think, well, the Premier League is not exactly skint, mate. I think they no, should be paying for it. No, absolutely, but you know, <laughs> that's only one argument. You know, the rest of yeah. the arguments are how, how complex do you want to make it for referees? So has he got to wear two watches? And if the watch on the left <laughs> vibrates then he knows it's a goal. But if the, the watch on the right wrist vibrates, he knows it's a corner or a goal kick. You know, it's, it's, it's how complex do you want to make the game? I, I still, despite what happened to Borough at the weekend, I still firmly believe we should scrap VAR and just go back to human error. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's where we should be. We should go back to that. Yeah. But I mean, now yeah. you know, you've got Thierry Henry crying on last night saying he wants bird's yeah. eye view cameras, etc. The man um, who deliberately handled the ball against Ireland. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 It's all right now because he's not playing and he's not going to get caught out. But yeah, it's it's crazy, right? Isn't it? That we're still, you know, we're now officially halfway through the Premier League season and it's been dominated once again by oh. controversial VAR headlines. Every day, mate, every day we seem to talk about it, especially with this run of December fixtures where we've got a game every night and we've seen a game yesterday and a game to, you know, and a game the day before, like just literally, you know, ruined by VAR. It's becoming such a, you know, such a farce. And then, like I said to you, like the linesmen are just so, again, last night, I, I mean, I ended up watching the uh, Brighton Tottenham game because I was just interested, obviously, watching Ange and seeing him then. But, you know, I mean, like there was two penalty decisions in there where Yao Pedro uh, converted them. Uh, and even then, you just don't like, like one was a, the clearest penalty. And I'm sitting here in Australia at 12 p.m. at night sipping on my rum. And I know exactly I know exactly that it's a penalty. Yet we had to wait there on the coverage for 15 minutes till they decided it was. It, it's just 
It's just killing it. And then I just don't get with this linesman stuff as well. Like, I know we spoke about it in depth yesterday, but for me, with the ball going out and that, what what used to happen, Dave? The linesman would see it, right? The linesman's there. He's got the cross angle of it. He's got his own eyes. Why can't he just sit there and go, that ball's out or that's not? I get the goal and technology. I think that works perfectly, right? But if we're talking about the ball rolling out or not, Surely the linesman can do can can step in there. I mean, um, what else is he doing? I've said I've said since day one before as technology was coming in and look, technology into refereeing started with buzzer flags, a flag yeah. with a button that you could press and it vibrated a receiver on the referee's arm to say, <laughs> "My flag's up. I need to talk to you, mate." You know that was the start <laughs> of technology. Um, and I've said since then, any technology that comes into aid refereeing in football has to be a technology that gives you an instant result. So goal line technology, yeah. I agree with you. Perfect. Keep it in the game. I love it. Yep. Absolutely. Yep, ball has crossed the line. Watch vibrate. Hey, that's a goal, fella. Technology's told us it's crossed the line. Anything beyond that is now either subjective or is ripping the soul out of football by making us wait five minutes to, de- to decide whether we're going to have a penalty or a goal's awarded or a goal's choked off. It is absolutely sucking the living, breathing emotion out of the game. And my hope, my my absolute hope, because there's far too much money involved in this, my absolute hope is somebody grows a big enough set of balls in the Premier League to say this is ruining our what is supposed to be the most prestigious club competition in the world, domestic competition in the world, I should say. At the end of this current contract, just rip it out. So everybody's no, paid, yeah. everybody's paid, there's no arguments, there's no lawsuits, let's just not renew this contract, which I think expires at the end of next season. Let's just see it through, and then, because it is so bad, because it is destroying the spectacle that is the Premier League, let's just rip it out. Let the rest of the world sort all the ales out, just for the Premier League's sake and for English football's sake, get rid at the end of the current contract. You've, you've really, yep. Ryan mentioned, you know, like the, the, you know, you've talked about the buzzer flags, you've talked about, you know, goal line technology, but Mark Clattenburg was, was covering things last night. Um, I'm sure you saw him, concert born lad. Uh, he was talking about this on Amazon last night. They had him and as the referee expert. And he was just saying, just get the ball chipped. This is like it is in major tournaments. He said, you know, you know moving mm-hmm. forward, if the ball's chipped, then we've got the technology to see clearly whether the ball is in or out of play. The ball's you already chipped. The ball's already yeah, chipped in some competitions. For, I think that's brought out not, the chipped ball. Not in the Premier League. Not yeah, in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah, it depends on your ball sponsor. That's what he's saying. You need you need to have the ball chipped in the Premier League. If it's going to be the top division, forget about camera angles because they can always be deceiving. Get the ball chipped and then it's conclusive. You know you know whether the ball's in or out. And it's as simple as that. And I mean, you know, that that that, that would make more sense to me than going for another camera angle, which again could you know, camera angles are deceiving. They, they say the camera never lies, but it does, I'm afraid. And that, that's the problem with VAR. They're relying too heavily on, on camera technology and no amount of camera technology is, is, is going is, is gonna to prove something conclusively because you'll always find in some way, shape or form that there'll be an angle which is not covered by the camera, which, you know, and this is, this is how we end up having these conversations week in, week out. There's, there's another point yeah, to no. last night as well, lads. That obviously Arteta yet again is 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 Paddy's say on these matters. Arsenal ended that game with thirty shots. 
it's, it's not like VAR denied them. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, 30 yeah, shots exactly. and failed to hit the target and, and, and failed to score. So for me, as much as it's a it's a convenient excuse, and I, I know we hate VAR. There's a little plug for a song that, Should we, play? that we all Should we know play? about. <laughs> go on, go on, then, go on then. We're gonna have to. Not when I'm in me pomp, but it's it, it's a convenient <laughs> excuse for managers to to try and. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's a convenient excuse for managers to try and cover up for their team's inadequacies at times. It it is definitely a case of that as well. Because Arsenal will. Yeah, no, that's a very night. good point. That's a very good point. Is that it seems to be something where the manager can turn and use that. When they have had a bad loss because you're absolutely right i mean you know there, there are more chances than just those one incidents that you know could stop a goal and stuff like that but i guess you know when they say that you know if it's a penalty or something like that and they would have converted it but who knows do you know what i mean but you're absolutely right i think it's a, it's a very good fair point that you make is that it does seem to be a bit of a cop-out for a manager now to say um you know well it was var it wasn't my team blah 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 and i was saying that just remember we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago where we were saying that you know, can we see a manager that might get sacked going, well, you know, it wasn't me that let the team down. It was the, the referees that got yeah, made, that made me lose my job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So well, we, we had that at the weekend, didn't we? We had an absolute stonewall, 100%. Must, must, must need to go to Specsavers because he didn't give it refereeing decision um, with the penalty. We had Ted trying to wind us up. We're not going to bite, mate, because we know it was 100% nailed on the penalty. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day... We, we we just blew our chances that we created. We created guilt edge chances to score goals. And it wasn't that one decision that cost us. No, it was it was no. it was uh Um I've got to be careful what I say that because I almost spoke as a true fan. <laughs> uh, our inability to put away our chances. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But in terms of for, for, for that, when it, when a result comes down to a penalty or not, and you see it's a clear penalty. That's when I get frustrated because you would think nine times out of ten, I don't know, maybe maybe a bit less than that. I don't want to think the think But if it's a penalty, if it's a penalty, you know what I mean. That can that can really change a game. Do you know what I mean? But I guess, but you're absolutely right. And like like Ted said, do you know what I mean? There was, you know, when you've got thirty odd chances and you don't put them in, you really need to you need to be able to have a team that can take that out of the equation take the referee out of the game by you know by just burying your chances and stuff like that so it just sucks that we're getting you know we're getting games and games and games that are just always blamed on a refereeing decision it's, it's, it just seems to be the new the new way you know what i mean and i guarantee you tonight in the championship fixtures you know there's going to be at least half a dozen games if not more that'll have some sort of controversial refereeing decision where they've just come out and said earlier in this week that they've gotten 85 percent of their decisions correct so, who knows? Well, that's a drop then, because they were up to mm-hmm. 96 at one point. Yeah, well, they said 85% of this season's decisions made in the championship alone, which is obviously just on human error, have been 85% correct. That's what they've said. Yeah, never that been released by the given. EFL. That number that, number so, that yeah, was exactly. always given to us was always in the 90s. So, there's been a drop in performance yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're up, yeah. so now they're, up to, they're down to 85 uh, Amazon Prime for that coverage as well. I, I've got to be honest. I've you know obviously I watch a lot of a lot of Premier League football and watch TNT. I watch Sky Sports, but I think Amazon Prime have done very well. You know with with their coverage. And I've got to be honest, Ali McCoist is becoming a favourite of mine as yeah. far as as far as commentary is concerned. He's, um, good. he's good. He's natural, and you know it, it's it, it's it's an easy listen. I mean, some commentators you get, you just want to switch them off. Uh, the ex-pros. No, but yeah. this, Michael this, Owen. This, Jesus. Yeah, this 
this commentary that Ali McCoy's got, he's, he's very natural and, and he's great. But I, I have enjoyed the coverage. I mean, Shearer was pitch side last night on, on, on the game. And, and you know, the, they've just got a very professional team. It's got a good flow about it. And, the, you know, the, the, the camera angles are good. It was, for me, you know, I think Amazon is, is stealing a little bit of a lead on, on Sky with the way you, the way you do these shows. They're certainly and, delivering. Oh, they are. Hey. They're certainly delivering. Very hey. good. Very good. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, excellent, and I love the that fact as well. Good. I love the fact as well last night that during the game, it's it, it's a minor, it's a minor thing. But just you know, we, we, you were getting the update, you were getting the update on the Brighton game as the Arsenal game was going along. So it didn't matter which game you had selected to watch. That you know, they, they did give us the you know they gave us the goals of of the other game, which which was great. And that doesn't always happen when you're watching some of these other networks. So it was it was it was good. It was it was just it's good coverage, and you know. Praise where praise is due. I think um, you know they're well out, worth. They're out of well it next year, aren't they? Yeah, by by the sounds of it. But yeah, it, you know, I, I don't know who's won the. I know Sky won the major battle, but Sky I think won Amazon five won. of the six packages. I think um, TNT won a smaller one. So Sky have got just about everything, barring a handful, uh, and obviously BBC Pity. BBC picked up the highlights again for Matt. Sounds like a Barra watch along, Dave. Does doesn't How it? Who's that commentator? Yeah, I mean he's 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 all right. That lad. He he loses. He goes it. all right. He loses he? it every now and again. You wouldn't be surprised yeah, to hear guys. You know, you know he, he he just doesn't know when to stop talking. Guys, you know he's. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like somebody we know. <laughs> oh, no, we love you, Ryan. We love you. We get we get. <laughs> I love how everyone knew. <laughs> <laughs> We get we get letters, mate. We get we get emails saying this guy's great. So uh, keep it oh. going. We'll keep you on the red, mate. You, Don't mate. you worry. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, so mate. The Christ- Thank so the you. Christmas fixtures, lads, in the Premier League, they're often you know they're often pointed to as the the period of time that you know that can dictate who goes up into you know into Europe and who wins the league and, and who goes down. So we're going into the uh, you know the, the last set of fixtures um, you know of of this year. Sheffield United, Burnley, Go and Luton. On. There's your three. There's your three teams at the bottom now. Nine points. Sheffield United, Burnley, eleven points. On. Luton, fifteen Go points. On. But then you've got the usual suspects at the bottom: Everton, sixteen points; Forest, seventeen points; Palace, eighteen points. Roy Hodgson under pressure now. Um, Brentford probably not out of it on nineteen points. But yeah, is that your bottom three, lads? Sheffield United, Burnley, and Luton. Yeah, I'll I've start. I definitely think. Let, Go on, sorry, mate. Go on then. No, I, I, I just think, just quickly. I, I think Burnley's gone. Sheffield United have definitely gone under Chris Wilder. They can't blame anyone else but his players. And I, and I, the only thing that I think will stump or save Luton Town this season is if there's more financial fair play stuff into Everton, which they're saying there might be in, in the end of next season. So if there's more points deducted there, I, I doubt they're going to be able to stay up. But it's incredible to see. How Everton are handling. I mean, Everton should be on twenty six points, by the way. You know what I mean? So you know they should be. That's where they should be sitting right now. And Everton are currently on sixteen points in seventeenth. If they were on twenty six points, uh, they would be above. They would just be just beneath Newcastle in tenth. So the only thing that can save Luton Town, uh, Burnley, and Sheffield United is maybe more financial fair play. But no, that's the bottom three right now. Are the bottom three I'm predicting. Ted, talk to me, mate. What do you reckon? Surely we're going to see Luton Town in the Championship again next season. Um, I mean, nothing would delight me more, but I've just got this weird feeling they might get out of it. Um, Burnley oh. and Sheffield United, yeah, absolutely gone. Um, Sheffield United, if they if they don't improve, and I, 
I really hope they don't because I mean, because of talking to you lads about Chris Wilder as well and kind of getting to know a little bit about that guy's character. Um, I think relegation is too good for him. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I actually think they might even trouble that record low points total. Um, it, it could be on the cards. Um, Burnley, yeah. Does gone. Burnley surprise you? Does Burnley surprise it you? It does Ted? because they played because great football last season. Exactly, exactly. I was going to ask you, yeah, what your but thoughts were on that. We've seen that before. We've seen that before when uh, when Ian Holloway brought Blackpool into the Premier League. They played four three three. They played attractive attacking football. But sometimes that's not enough. You've you've got to have a bit of steel and a bit of nous to get through these games. Um, you know, be able to pick up three points against mid-table sides like Wolves and Bournemouth. And yeah, they, they just didn't have that about them. And I, I think Burnley have been found out a little bit. Um, maybe just a little bit too lightweight, um, a bit too pretty, I guess. Um, Luton Town, the grinding results out. And, and I, I honestly have this weird feeling they might just sneak out of this. Um, mm. Probably at the expense of Palace uh, or even Brentford. Brentford's form Brentford's at the minute is tragic, they're, by the they're, way. They're yeah. dropping. Yeah. Brentford and Palace are dropping like stones. Yeah, and yeah. Hodgson's under, I mean, pressure. Yeah. Hodgson's under Co- pressure. Cooper's under pressure. Cooper's job as well, by the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. feel sorry for him because every time a player or a ball goes near him, I'm kind of like, be careful at that old man by the side. You know, <laughs> <laughs> get, get him out the way for, for God's sake, please. Get him safe. <laughs> He's just, he's just like, I mean, he's a, he's a lovely fellow. I'll tell you what, what a vastly underrated manager Roy Hodgson's been. Maybe not so for the England spit? job. And the, what, sorry? He spat last night in the game at Crystal Palace where they were given the late-minute penalty. He? he was that furiated. He walked over and spat on the pitch as he was walking back. And I was like, oh, old man angry. Roy. Old man angry. Old Listen, Roy. He, had, he, he spat onto the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> It was a worthless original. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've got a weird feeling Luton might just get out of it. And it's down to that thing that, that I mentioned before about having a bit of steel in the team. And, you know, they're, they're a gutsy side and I, I've just got this weird feeling they might just crawl out of it. And, and pa- more likely Palace, I think, will uh, will become a cropper and go down. If you'd gone back, two, if you'd gone right. back two games ago, you'd have written Luton off. But the, the yeah, mere I fact agree. they've won the last two games, that's yeah. six. They've, they've, they've just about doubled their points total for the season uh, in a couple of games. It's like so Tom Lockie has galvanised them. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's how long that resurgence can continue for. But it, yeah. what it's done is it's brought them right back into the mix with Forest Palace and Brentford. Yeah. yeah, they've got no, they've got to make agree. Kenilworth Road the complete fortress, and it's a horrible yeah. place to go and go and play as an away team because it's it's a an old fashioned ground where the fans are almost like on top of you on the touchline, and yeah. they've just yeah. got to make that as aggressive and nasty as possible for the remainder of the season, and and that might be it might be the fans as much as I kind of stand them, uh, might be their fans that actually keep them up. Ivan, will be all right when well, they get Jack Clark in January. Ivan Tony's going to yes, be back to Brentford. Oh, yeah, true, I, don't think, true. I don't think they'll let him leave now. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll leave Brentford. I think he'll stay till the end of the season because I think he'll. I think he will feel as if he owes Brentford. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so that'll be like. You know, we say it. You, you say it, don't you? But it'll be like a new signing. That's a Brentford. massive signing yeah. for yeah to come back. Hundred percent. And then Luton well, get Jack Clark in January. Gonna be crazy. <laughs> top of the me. table, top of the table. Uh, we saw, we've seen a few, we've seen a few runners and riders leading the table in the Premier League. Um, my tip is still Manchester City, and um, it was a great. It's been a great couple of days for Manchester City with with you know the other runners and riders shooting themselves in the foot. Liverpool currently uh, sit top of the Premier League though, forty two points. 
Arsenal, who uh, blew a, blew their opportunity last night, um, as we've already discussed, by uh, 30 shots at goal and, and you know losing 2-0. Um, so they they sit in second place on 40 points. The surprise package, Aston Villa, third, 39 points. Uh, and then, for me, title certainties, Manchester City, fourth, 37 points, a game in hand, of course, after being away uh, playing that um, pointless European competition. Spurs, um, surprise package for me still. I didn't think they'd be anywhere near this uh, level um, with Postogoglu and George, but they're sitting in fifth on 36 points. And then the, the West Ham, um, yeah. you know, European Cup winners last year uh, and now sitting in sixth place on 33 points after last night's result. Um, you still can't write off the other teams probably up, up until... Up until you get to Chelsea in 10th. Uh, West Ham, 33, of course. Man United, 31 points. Brighton, 30 points. Newcastle, who've had a, a, a slide from grace in recent weeks on 29 points. And Chelsea, um, 10th, uh, 25 points alongside Wolves, who've had a bit of a, a resurgence. So, a billion pound team. A billion pound team sitting in 10th place. Money doesn't buy success. So, lads, mm -hmm. 19 And games elimination from the semi-final of the Cup as well to come. And, and yeah. elimination as yeah. well for, from the borough. So, so where we're going, yeah. lads? Where we're going? It's for me. It's the usual suspects. I expect a tussle in the second half between Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, as always, it'll come down to who wins the big games between these two teams. I think, uh, but I still fancy Manchester City to to come out the winners because their running in 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 the new year is 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 always you know they always seem to get it together. They always pull themselves together and. and they're always there or thereabouts. You don't win anything in December, uh, seems to be the mantra. And then come January, they just hit, they hit form and they go on a run. Haaland to come back as well, won't be too far away. You know, they, ha they have missed Haaland, I think, and, um, and his goals. But I st I'm going to go Man City, lads. I still think Man City will win the league. Mm, yeah, I've, I I've got to agree with you. Do, you. do you think Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I just think Man City are just... I don't know. They're just. I think they're going to finish second or just behind. But I think the race will be between Man City and Liverpool. And I think Liverpool are going to resurge through January as well. Yeah. Mm. I suppose it depends on the signings as well. Like I, I'm with Steve. Exactly. I still think Man City. I think they, 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 they do hit their, their form at the right time as well historically. Um, so I, I think they'll really step it up, and I think you'll see Man City on top by the end of it. Um, I mean. Praise has to go to Villa, though. I mean, I know I've spoken about oh, yeah, it a couple massively. of times now. The season they're having is absolutely brilliant. And with the right investment next season, I don't see any reason why Villa can't be actually breathing down their necks a little bit. Yeah. Mm. I wonder I wonder if they're, I wonder if they've, they're, they're talking about uh, Emery with a new deal and all that sort of stuff and maybe financially backing him more through January because of their results. I think if you would see... The normal Villa team where they're sitting mid-table and stuff like that, that maybe you would see, you know, your classic sort of uh, thing. But I wonder if there's going to be any more funds made available to get him through what is now a very, very good season just to maybe push him, you know, into that top tier, you know. So January January changes a lot for me, lads. I mean, it really does. I mean, especially when we saw it last season for Middlesbrough when we brought in Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey. I mean, that flipped our season on the head. We were already doing okay. We were kind of whereabouts we are now, but then bringing in Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey, you know, we brought in goals and, and you know, a team can really, that sitting mid table can really fly up that table. Now, if Aston Villa go and, you know, purchase a couple of, you know, real, really good stars that are sitting top of the Premier League, they could really make a, a final push. But my, 
My other concern, not concern, my other flip side to that is that same can Man City, same to Liverpool. And I think those two will recruit very, very well in January like they always do. Man City especially, Man City will spend, they'll get rid of Calvin Phillips, they'll get rid of a few fringe players and they'll use that to bring in, you know, whoever the best player is they can get their hands on and then that'll be it. So I think you're right. I think Man City will be up there, but I think Liverpool are going to hold on for the win for me this season to answer your question, Steve. Dave? Um, I think uh, by adding, I think it's harder for Premier League teams to make uh, significant improvement in their in their performances by adding just a couple of players because the whole squad uh, uh, tend to be of better quality, more significant quality than lower down the tables. Um, so I, I, I don't see them being able to, anybody in the Premier League, make a couple of signings in January and significantly improve the quality of the squad. Um, for me, I just think City have been there. They've done it. They've worn the T-shirt too many times. Uh, they've come back from this uh, sham of a, a football tournament. You know, they've picked up a win. That's that stopped the rot a little bit. I, I can only see City accelerating in the second half of the season. And it will be tight, and it will be between Liverpool and City, but I'm edging it with City. OK, fellas, before we go into the news, I've got to tell you, somebody sent us a dirty joke. No! no. Oh. I don't know whether what, it's actually, 8 a.m. in the morning. I don't know whether I'm going to say Manny got our number wrong, but an 0330 <laughs> an number, I'm not sure. So what of the scent? I can't read it out completely, but I'll, I'll say good morning to Alan. That's all we'll call him. Oh. Good morning, Alan. I will be fixing a ring doorbell this morning for Mozza and remembered this classic and then goes on to tell us a joke about uh, Ulrika Johnson and Sven Joran Eriksson, which is, uh, yeah, I've heard that one before, but not for broadcast. So I don't know whether I'll send it to the wrong number, but it's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Good Thanks, morning, Al. Good morning. Yes, love it. Uh, yeah, you're right, Steve. It is time for the news. Here we go. Oh, hang on. That's Rod Stewart. Oh, what's going on here? I was, I was, I was, I was sent, sent all askew he's, by a dirty joke. Now look what you've done, Alan. You've made him flustered. All right. You've made Radio Dad flustered. All right. You, you can't be sending jokes like that at 8am. There you go. Thank you for supporting me, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what a song. What a song. What a song. Yes. Rod Stewart. Early Rod. Can I do a bit of Rod? Rod, you're in my heart. Just like Excuse you. Excuse me. Fine gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to be in my heart, Ted? Come on. Um, well, well uh, if, it, if it secures me being on the show next year as well, I suppose. Well, you're back on this <laughs> I we gave you a last minute. <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> I have been yelling at a bit of a talking to. The phone, the phone call was made <laughs> to whatever that what that guy is in, a, in an American state. So I can give you the final reprieve. And he said yes. I literally got messages yesterday going, it's not really your last show, is it? It's, it's like, don't believe anything that he rise says, man. Yeah, no, I don't, God I'd love to, That's one thing you're you know going to learn. I would love to hear from anybody this morning. The number's 033-043-2002. Have you ever misinterpreted something and had a go at your boss? <laughs> oh, it was funny. Misses, it was so Or anybody funny. in any position of power in your life. Uh, have you ever misinterpreted something and, and, and had a real bite back? and found out we weren't even talking about that 033 have a little pop at the Fat Mac I'm alright I see let's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have your fun I was going to ask you about Fat Club because I know it's Steve Shaw but he yeah. would never go into Fat Club territory because you know he's, no. he's a fine oh, figure he's, of a man he's um, a fine specimen so when are we starting Fat Club then mate I, I think January the 2nd um, although Ooh. yeah yeah, January the 2nd I'm, I'm going to start it um 
I've, I've had a little read. I'm going to take on some intermittent fasting, gentlemen. Ooh. I've been reading oh, into that. Okay. I'm going to go on a 16-8 diet, um, which doesn't mean I eat for 16 hours and then stop for 8. It's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually eating the other way around that's got me into this mess, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Love it. But, yes, I, I was very, very shocked at what I weighed. I was, uh, I was a whopping 17 stone 9, I think it was, on Boxing Day. I oh, my hat. Well, it's, yeah. there's hope for you because what I what I did what I did when I was at, I, when I finished doing the doors back in 2012, I turned I was what was I was 40 then. So I I basically thought right I, I'm gonna it was one of those start your diet on Monday kind of things and I thought I was I was bang on 17.10 and I thought right You're a bit okay, pokey, I'm mate, gonna, then. I'm, I'm I'm gonna knock I didn't look it but I I knew that I was. But I was I was seventeen ten. Obviously, I used to train a lot. I used to do a lot of weights, doing the doors. You had to keep your you know you had to keep your your size up really more than anything else. But I I basically started walking and I knocked a beer on the head. I stopped drinking lager and real yeah. ale. I used to do I could go down the local and drink seven eight nine pints of real ale with my dad and not <laughs> think not think anything about it. I used to con, you know I used to eat, eat without thinking. So it was it was systematic with me over a course of ten years. It took it took ten years to get to where I wanted to be. But I started going to the gym. I stopped drinking beer and um, and lager and stuff like that, which I was only going to do for six weeks. Um, we're now eleven years on, and I still haven't had a pint uh, or a bottle wow. of beer. Um, and then I, I got an app on my phone, and I just started. And this it's a bit obsessive, I guess, in in a lot of ways. And I get wrong off the missus mm-hmm. for it. But I'll I will I'll I've set myself a target of. 2,000 calories a day, which is what a man is yeah. supposed to have, and I stick to it pretty rigidly. Apart from weekends, I'll, I'll, I'll allow myself to, you know, not a, not the calorie count on a weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Um, but but genuinely, I got down from 1710 to, uh, on average now, I'm around about 149, 1410. So that, I shifted, I, th- I shifted the three stone, and I, I and when you get to our age, um, you know, when any, anyone who's approaching your 40s or 50s then yeah well i think when you're 50 you get your you get your first health checks and i, I got asked mm-hmm. you know you, you get asked to go down to doctors and you do all of that sort of stuff and and you know you have to check your cholesterol level and the check this and check that um, and mine's improved massively over over the last few years so it's it is yeah. worth doing it is worth yep. doing lads but it's it's like everything it's finding that routine and i find don't just start on the Monday or don't start on the 1st of January because there's always something that's going to come along and st- like change your mind or do something. If you're going to do it, just do it. Just do it when you feel like yeah. doing it and, you know, set yourself a target. You set yourself a target and you stick to it. It's great, but it gets harder as you get older, lads. I'm that thing that harder. comes oh, along I and changes see. your mind. It's me. I just change my mind. Wake up every morning going, right, today's the day. Oh, I could do with that breakfast. Thank you. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, um, There's nothing wrong with that, Dave. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's then if you do it the next day and the next day and the next day, uh, you know, you you know, everything. The way I look at it is, it's uh, everything in moderation, isn't it? Um, it is. Everything. If you're gonna if you're gonna yeah. sit and eat if you're gonna sit and, uh, sit and eat rubbish for you know seven days a week, uh, and and drink copious amounts of alcohol, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose weight. But you got to do exercise as well. And and I start you know I, I I I've got a gym membership, but I walk a lot. I don't. Mm-hmm. See, I don't drive. I walk from A to B. I probably do on average. I do a minimum of ten thousand steps a day. But on most days, I do something between fifteen and twenty thousand steps. And that in itself is is good for you. You know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. I like yeah. getting out for a walk. But 
you know, it's it, it just depends. Everybody's everybody's different, but it's um, it's a good it's a good habit to get into, lads. And if you're going to do it, I'm 100 percent behind you, lads. Well, I'm 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 doing it. Mine's not a fasting. Um, I suppose it is a bit of a version of fasting. I'm kicking it off with juicing. Uh, I don't know whether you've seen it, right? That Aussie who produced his movie. I mean, he was he was well yeah. healed. This yeah. guy, fat, sick, and nearly dead. I just put that on yeah. every when I need to, and it just gives me the inspiration. Sounds like a to good punk it. band, does Oh, mate, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's well worth a watch, I'm telling you. But uh, I think he's just. I Sean the Mackham. He says he needs to lose three and a half stone. Um, he, but Sean, well, Sean, I'll give you a few, I'll give you a few tips, lads. Club. Right, I need yeah. to come up with some sort of mechanic here for, for the listener and us, lads. To, to, obviously, not you, Steve. Um, Rai, how are you doing with yours? Because, you know, I, I worry about I'm you. I'm gym every day, mate. I'll go for the military, so. I'm, I'm, I, but I don't do cardio. I just lift weights. So I just love lifting weights. So I go, that, but I'm that, there every day. Is that day why you look so weights, stacked? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a big boy. So, <laughs> Man's uh, but it's just, it's all, it's all, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I have a little tummy, but nah, the, the, like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm, 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 you'd look, you'd, you'd look at me and yeah, you'd, you'd think, because uh, that's literally like I literally just keep I just can't put them down ever since the military so I just keep lifting oh, heavy weights I'm just like that classic sort of boy that goes in and lifts the heavy weights but does zero cardio um, but yeah I, I, I don't know I could I could do to cut down a little bit but I don't want to lose any muscle because you know I love it too much <laughs> me and Ted then yeah, yeah, it is. I'll come up with an idea for the new year where we're gonna we can get in amongst that and a uh, bit of healthier living, lads. We've got to look after ourselves Indeed. in our advanced years. Well, I want ten <laughs> kilos off, mate. That's what I want off. I need start. thirty. Set a target. You should set a target, lads, and we should talk about it at least once a month. Yeah, let's do it. We'll keep, we'll keep you yeah. on track for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'd love to do that. We've got to help our boys. Yeah, that's for sure. Definitely. Anyway, got to help okay. them reach their goals. So the boys have got to get back on track, but so do we. Steve, is it time for the headlines? It is quarter past eight. Let's have the uh, the headlines. Okay. Smoggies and proud Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Hope you're fantastic, safe, and well. Happy Friday. We have got football. Football tonight for. Borough. Borough head to Huddersfield to their final game of the year, looking to bounce back after their defeat to Rotherham United on Boxing Day. A 7.45pm local kickoff for Borough as they look to overturn a run of four unbeaten games against the hosts. Darren Moore will also be looking for his first win as manager against the Borough, having never beaten them on previous occasions. Josh Smith will be tonight's referee, which is funny because that's at the John Smith Stadium. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Having ended a run of three straight Boxing Day victories, Borough will hope to continue their fine recent record in their final game of the year. We have won four of the last five final games of the calendar year, including the last two. Hey, come on, Borough. And with such a quick turnaround, Michael Carrick has confirmed that he's not expecting any players back for the trip to John Smith Stadium tonight. The surprise choice to lead the line, though, may be Matt Crooks. With John, uh, sorry, with Latte Lath and Josh Coburn still nursing and returning to full fitness, Borough have been without a recognised striker for the past two games. And Michael Carrick hopes that Tom Glover, the big Oz, he can take the positives from his international sub by using the opportunity to show what he's capable of at Middlesbrough. Borough have been facing over a month without their first and second choice goalkeepers with Seni Dieng at the Africa Cup of Nations and Glovers Australia taking part in the Asian Cup. But having only made five Carabao Cup appearances before the Australian squad was announced, Glover was left out of Graham Arnold's final squad for the tournament. Oh, big game tonight, Borough fans. We head to Huddersfield. We look for the three points. We ring in 2023's massive success. On to next year. Up the Borough. That's your headlines. Mackham's and Proud. Black Cats News.
Good morning, Sunderland fans. Unfortunately, the worst fears have been confirmed for Niall Huggins after sustaining a serious knee injury. A club statement has read, Sunderland AFC confirmed that Niall Huggins will undergo surgery after suffering a significant knee injury. The Wales International was withdrawn in the 85th minute of the club's fixture versus Coventry City after landing awkwardly. Although no specific timescale is being placed upon his return to action at this stage, it is expected that the defender will miss at least the remainder of the 2023-24 season. It goes without saying that everyone at the Cap, the Red and the Toon is supporting Nile at this incredibly difficult time and will be keeping our fingers crossed that he's back on the pitch as soon as possible. Michael Beale is targeting consistency as a key part of his plan for the Black Cats in the second half of the season and has some plans on how to achieve that too. He said, The big thing for me now is that we need consistency. In the first half of our season, we've won 10 and lost 10. So it's clear we can beat anyone, but on our off day, anyone can beat us. Speaking about his ideas to address the consistency, he said, There's been a couple of small changes that people will start to see. As a coach, I hope the players take their chance, but I do have a queue of people behind me that want a chance under a new head coach. They feel they've got a better quality in a better area than they've shown Sunderland fans so far. That's a good thing. We've got people dying to get on, jumping to get on the pitch. And finally, former Sunderland man Yanam Vias says he would love to return to Sunderland to help the club back to the Premier League. The France international spent the season at the Black Cats as he helped guide the side in Premier League survival during the 2015-16 campaign. Speaking to French press, he said, I spoke with a lot of league-owned clubs, but I didn't get that little feeling. Given my qualities and my leadership, I think I can help a lot of teams. I believe in myself. I don't need the money, I want to play. With all the respect I have for Ligue 2, I don't see myself playing in this championship. There is only one club for which I would have agreed to return to the lower division for, and that is Sunderland, to help them return to the Premier League. I had an extraordinary year there. I'm not just a footballer, I can help on and off the pitch. I know the moments of crisis. I'm a reliable person, and if you trust me, I'll give it back to you a thousand times. And there are your Friday headlines, Sunderland fans. Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle fans. Newcastle United are going to step up their interest in Manchester City's Calvin Phillips and hope a loan deal can be agreed swiftly once the January transfer window opens. The midfielder is viewed as a top priority for Eddie Howe's team in the January window. Signing Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper Hugo Lloris would represent an upgrade on Newcastle United's current goalkeeper options. That's the view of former Spurs and England goalkeeper Paul Robinson, who believes Lloris is a better option than Martin Dubravka and Loris Karius during Nick Pope's injury absence. And Newcastle United won't make any permanent signings in the January transfer window and instead will look to utilise the loan market to improve their injury hit squad. That's the verdict of Magpies legend Andy Cole, who believes Newcastle have been smart with their recruitment under the current ownership and he is confident that they will not panic by next month. That's in Newcastle United headlines on Friday morning. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North East, the Red, the and the Ted. I'll tell you, tell you, the one that I, I really enjoyed there was the reference to League 2. Never, <laughs> yes. never has <clears throat> The Simpsons had such a negative impact on a football league ever. Duh. <laughs> do that'd be league do <laughs> but that, that's so how you speak French right <laughs> don't start him on French he's struggling with you and English <laughs> um, moving on to the championship then he's champs gone. he's uh, gone we've, 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 he's gone we've, we've got rid of him finally where is he 
Hacken hier Wohnung. Ich hab ne Bar. I'm here, I was muted. Oh, I was muted, I was coughing. I was coughing, I was coughing, because I was laughing. I was laughing, I'm back. I'm sorry. Lifting weights. We thought you We thought you, <laughs> you, you, you took it as a snub vent <laughs> and left. <laughs> yeah. I know, For those no, of no, you who no, don't no, know no, what no. Rai looks like, just think Arnold Schwarzenegger in his early days. <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. In the core I just, I just, I <laughs> do need to do more cardio. I do. My wife, my, my wife just chipped in and said you need to do more cardio. So I is do. Is she listening? I do. I might have to join you. Yes, of course she is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I pay her for. So. Hi, Mrs. Yeah. Rye. Hello, Mrs. Rye. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. So I see how politely went there. The <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Rye. What's your first name, mate? What's, 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 what's the good lady's first Christina. name? Christina. 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 How are you? I bet you. Yeah, have me. our sympathy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Patience of a saint. Hasn't she? Hasn't she? The way he screams and shouts at 4am. She's absolutely got patience oh, of yeah. a saint. Yes. Oh, she yeah, she does. Rolling yes, she does. time. Rolling so, Not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so the EFL Championship uh, bids farewell to 2023 with two great fixtures tonight. Huddersfield against Middlesbrough and Rotherham against Sunderland, lads. So uh, let's go with the yes. Borough first, chaps. Huddersfield, Woo. Middlesbrough. Um, been an interesting season so far for the Borough. Uh, semi-finalists in the Carabao Cup, which is uh, parked for the moment, of course. Uh, but now uh, back to league action and um, sitting pretty, I would say, at the moment. You're sitting on 33 points. Only three points behind Sunderland in sixth place. Um, still an opportunity for, for Borough to, to make the playoffs this year. Uh, you would have took that, I guess, right at the start of the season, uh, sitting in a semi-final and still in, a, in the odd, you know, still still in the shout with the playoffs, despite a, a run of dodgy results in recent weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think we've, you know, I think we've we've needed a bit of perspective this week, especially with that bad loss on Boxing Day to Rotherham. Uh, the fans, obviously, you know, have taken to social media and absolutely just smashed Borough and. And the way they've gone about it, you know, in, towards the end of the season, we've been very inconsistent. And it comes with a young team. We made 10 summer signings. We started off the season horribly. We then came back from an international break, had a great little run. Uh, and then we had another international break and we've come back to that, you know, come after that, uh, you know, with a little bit of inconsistency there. We've obviously gotten a few wins in there, but we've lost to the big teams and then obviously lost to a couple of them down the bottom as well. But the big thing, for, you know, the big talking point from our season this, you know, this year uh, forget, you know, end of last season and getting to the playoffs and how successful that was since Carrick coming in. The big talking point, obviously, towards the end of this season has been the injuries. We've had 14, you know, first team players out. We've had an inconsistent squad. So therefore, how can you expect consistent results when you've got players like Sammy Silvera starting up front? You've got Tom Glover, your backup goalkeeper, having to start. We've had, you know, we've had every centre back at this club play in centre back roles without, you know, a recognised right back as well. So, but where we are at in terms of the semi-final of the Carabao Cup, you know, three points off the playoffs still, even though we sit, you know, in middle table, I think is a big win for Borough fans. And I think we need to realise that, you know, from where we're sitting, from what we've gone through, it's pretty not, it's, it's not too bad. We've got a big January coming up where we're probably going to look to reinforce, you would hope, some of these injuries and give some of these players that have played con you know, constant football because of the injuries a little bit of a break. Uh, and then obviously we've got uh, Africa Cup of Nations. We also lose Sammy Silvera and Riley McGree very soon to the Asian Cup as well. So we need to look at that as a team to, you know, to cover those. So, yeah, look, it's going to be a big game tonight. We go to Huddersfield expecting to win. You know, Huddersfield are down the bottom of the table for a reason. They've got new manager in Darren Moore, uh, obviously taking over from Neil Warnock. Middle Huddersfield haven't been the greatest, but they're a tough team to break down. And we've got the yips in front of goals because we've got no strikers. So it's going to be interesting to see which way this one flies. 
Uh, I'm expecting a very good performance from the Borough, though. I'm expecting Riley McGree to be back out there starting. He's come off the bench for the past two games. I think he'll be raring to go, uh, as well as I'm thinking Tommy Glover will be in goal. Apart from that, I'm thinking Matt Crooks will probably lead the line. I think they've tried Sammy Severe up front, and it just hasn't worked. He's just too small for me, lads. He's a great player. He's great on the wing, but as a striker, he's just not going to work. I'd like to see Matty Crooks start the line tonight. And I'm going for a uh, yeah, I'm going for a comfortable two 0 win to the Borough. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I think Riley McGree is going to be out there on the score sheet. He's going to come back with fine form. Matty Crooks will be up there as well, and he'll get a, he'll chip in with a goal as well. So, yeah, I'm thinking a tough game, Dave. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, mate, but uh, you've you've obviously got some worries like all the other Borough fans do. Uh, but I, I'm thinking, and I'm all, I'm ever optimistic with Borough, uh, and you, you can never you can never ever take the optimism out for me uh, with this club. The Rotherham game showed why you can never take take a borough for granted in any game. You know we're probably we're probably liable to go out and lose to Huddersfield and then beat Chelsea. Um, I, I don't think we can afford to to lose to Huddersfield. Rotherham was a we couldn't afford to lose that one. To be fair, that should have been an absolute nailed on certainty three points. If we have any hope of making the playoffs at the end of this season, I know we're only halfway through the season, but if we've got any hopes, we've got to be putting Huddersfield away. Really, really have to. Um, out of anything, you'd have said if we'd have beaten Rotherham and uh, and took a draw at Huddersfield, we'd have still have been disappointed with that. So to lose to Rotherham sets us up tonight for a game that we can't lose. We can't afford to lose. So um, I'm, I'm going to be as optimistic as you. It's going to be a 1-0 a win. You can scream your heart and soul off where you watch along to the GOAT. Uh, scoring for the Thank Borough, you. so McGree, McGree, uh, and a, and a one 0 win just to bring three points back. That's where I'm going. But yes. far from certain, mate. Far from certain. Yeah. There's mm. there's part of me which suddenly goes, oh, typical Borough, we're going to lose. But then there's part of me yeah. which goes, it could be it could be the typical Borough that come out and put in a hell of a performance. But who knows? Mm. It really is. What's your thoughts? It's, it's getting scary. <laughs> Yeah, it's listen. Huddersfield are a, they're a tough side, and Darren Moore is very slowly but surely turning their form round. The, he's got them hard to beat. Which, when you're at that, at that end of the division, that's what you need to start and put together. Um, Form-wise, I think they lost the last. Uh, they've lost two in the last five. But given where they were at the start of the season, it's actually a bit of an improvement. That um, we saw against them when we played them a few weeks back. They will sit deep and they will, they will try and frustrate teams. And that doesn't matter whether they're at home or whether they're away. They're in a position where they cannot afford to get beat. Now, again, it's it's another one of these. It's a bit like a Rotherham. They're, they're a tough physical side as well. They've got some big units in the in amongst the squad. So it's it's not going to be an easy game at all for Borough. But then again, as, you know, as the old cliche goes, there isn't an easy game in the Championship. So no. I reckon it's going to be a tough one. Um, I, I think at this stage, with all the injuries and everything like that, you'd probably take a draw and move on and kind of go, right, OK, we'll, we'll go back to beating the likes of West Brom and all that sort of thing. The Huddersfield, Huddersfield towns of this world are the banana skins for Middlesbrough and for Sunderland as well. Uh, mm. You know, we've, we've got our own issues with, with our game tonight. Um, but yeah, I, I I think a draw from this one against a very very well organised side. I like Darren Moore. I like the way he sets his teams up. Um, I know it's a little bit anti-football at times, but yeah, they'll be solid, and uh, you'll have to be at your best to try and get uh, all three points out of this one. Tonight, and that's lads. our weakness. Our weakness is if a team sets it, sets itself up so not to concede, we don't yeah. have the strike force to no. score goals. 
So we've got to rely on somebody we wouldn't normally be expecting or isn't an out-and-out goal scorer to come good for us to be able to break them down. And it just didn't happen um, in the last game against Rotherham. It just didn't happen. And and that's our fear. Yeah, see, the way... The way I see it is obviously we've learned we had Rotherham team on Monday that sat back and no, 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 you know not much of possession and we still weren't able to score. We would have gone and looked at that. Carrick would have addressed that definitely during training in the midweek. He would have come up with a better team for tonight, considering Riley, Josh Coburn, Matt Crooks, even rested Vanderberg. All of those are likely to come in tonight. And I think you'll find that if it's a Huddersfield team that sit back, well, Borough have just played a game like that at Rotherham, so they'll be well versed on how to do it. And then I think you'll find Sammy Greenwood or someone like that will actually put one in tonight because he was inches away from scoring two. You know what I mean? And a bit of a bit of you know football god on our side tonight, and I think we'll be right to get past them. So that's my fear. That's my sort of thoughts, anyways. That we've learnt from a team that sits back on Monday against Rotherham, and we can use that now to our advantage tonight. Together across the northeast. The and the that young kid's on his way to looking like Jockey Wilson, isn't he? If he does, uh, really like a kebab. There he goes. There's no on God's green earth. He is 16, by the way. He's 36. <laughs> he's got five kids. He's the, he's the Carlu <laughs> of darts. He's done a, he's done a Thai so footballer, the hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's done a Thai footballer, hasn't he? Just, just change that two to a one. I'm 16. Yeah, there you go. Got to say good morning to Daniil, fellas, because he sent us a message morning, really Daniel. late really late on yesterday's show so late we didn't pick it up and it goes ah the complete radio family today including dad and uncle there you go <laughs> nice Daniel <laughs> I, think. I love it I Daniel think. I don't know whether I, I raise my thumb in your general direction or my middle finger mate I don't know I haven't, de- I haven't decided yet <laughs> I don't know whether there's some sarcasm in there you know do you think there was sarcasm or not no, he's, he's, a, he's an intelligent man and intelligent people tend to be sarcastic yeah, possibly, but he's a very intelligent yeah. guy. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. venturing towards the middle finger then rather than the thumb, so there you go. <laughs> Steve, where okay. are we going, mate? We're going, we're going now to uh, to Rotherham. Um, always, always oh. a good, always a good trip, Rotherham. I used to love going Stop down there. It. I think I've got Stop various it. various videos of me singing "Start Spreading the News" as I walk into the New York Stadium. Um, and it's, uh, it's it, yeah, usually haven't had about seven or eight pints before we get in there. But it was yeah, great, great Wait, memories. No, I had, I, but, but that's how long it is since we've been in the Premier League and not playing Rotherham, though, mate. So, Ooh, Rotherham against Rotherham against Sunderland, bottom against sixth. Um, Ted, big big game this, big game for you because this this really can help kickstart, you know, twenty twenty four with a with a with a bang for Sunderland. You know, really cement a place in in that top six, and hopefully for Sunderland push on to where uh, you know to, to you know to to get into the playoffs, you know, and, and get back yeah. into the potentially get back into the Premier League. Thoughts of Newcastle parked for the moment, but yeah, Rotherham against Sunderland. Mate. What's what's your views on this one? It's it's the one that I least look forward to when the fixtures come out um, because we always absolutely stink down at Rotherham. Um, the bully us. And we invariably nearly always lose down there. Um, and it doesn't matter what the league position is. There's something about Rotherham at home where they just seem to get the better of us. Um, the last twice we've played them, they've beaten us. And they've scored seven goals and only conceded two in those two wins as well. So Rotherham really kind of, they seem to be able to get into us. However, 
I mean, there's been a lot of changes in playing staff since since those those, those games as well. We've got the likes of Jensen Seald, who's coming into the squad now, who's a, a, a big unit of a defender, and he's been so impressive. He, I'd be very surprised if he's not starting tonight, um, given, obviously, the unfortunate situation with Puma Niall Huggins. Um, but, yeah, the likes of Seald and them can, can galvanise and can deal with, with Rotherham and that physical threat. Um, so I'm actually more positive... At, about this fixture than what I have been in previous seasons. Um, I don't expect too many changes in the starting lineup. Um, I think we'll be pretty much as you were um, from the whole City game. Uh, there's there's rumours about Alessi's back in the squad now, who's been a long-term absentee, who can play either centre-back or, or left-back as well. We're starting to get some defensive options that, and I was talking with some of the, the lads who are, who are right on the page with yesterday, that... Luke O'Nine's place actually looks like it could be under threat now because Jensen Seals proven, you know, moving from the Dutch league into the championship, he's he's come to terms with the physical aspect of the game really, really well. But for such a big lad, he's so technically gifted for a defender as well. He he doesn't look out of place. Um the the big one is uh is Pembele, who the the rumours coming out from the club is this kid is an absolute special talent. Um, he's a right back. He came through PSG, uh, came through the ranks there. Had some first team action as well with them. Um, the the, the rumours are this kid is absolutely the real deal. So he's edging closer to a start for us. Um, so it should be fair to see what happens there. Whether he gets a little, maybe even get a little appearance tonight. Um, I just feel that this this squad now is 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 good enough to go to a place like Rotherham and not get bullied. We have got some physical presence about the team now. Uh, and I do expect a comfortable win tonight. I, you know, I'm talking about a 2 or 3 nil. I don't think it's going to be a nail-biter. I think we can pretty much condemn Rotherham to go back down to League One, which is you know, about their level, really, isn't it? Mm. OK. I mean, obviously, right. they, are confident, they are confident after the one their Yorkshire derby uh, the last time out, of course. <laughs> well, it's had a way, look, I think had I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> right, is this a potential, oh, I've got a, I've got a potential banana skin for the Mackhams? Uh, look, after seeing them on the on the on the you know just recently, no, I don't think so. I think Sunderland should be up for this and and well, you know, up for the fight. It is obviously back to back games for Rotherham at home, uh, but I just don't think it's going to phase Sunderland. I think Sunderland should be able to get walk past it. The only the thing for me with Rotherham was that they had no possession on the weekend. They, they they literally had no possession, and when they did have a counter, they got a freak shot away uh, from the corner, which just sailed in. It was just a freak goal. But I can't see them scoring any other time like that. You've got Jordan Hugel up front that, even though he's a borough lad, is just not not up for it, and they will not be able to contain uh, Jack Clark or Patrick Roberts if he's fit and playing. So. Um, yeah, I just I just can't see them controlling the wings, and I think the Jack Clark factor will just be too much for them because their defensive capabilities were shocking. We just we we you know we outplayed ourselves <laughs> Our on Monday. You know what I mean? just we, we just yeah. couldn't score. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't score. But I think you know Sunderland will be able to score, uh, and I think they will be able to uh, get past Rotherham with ease because yeah, unfortunately Rotherham are just well well off it now. Uh, and yeah, they Drink. just they just won't have the cap- the skills to, to to deal with Jack Clark or um or Patrick Roberts. They just they just won't. So yeah, easy win for me for Sunderland. I'm going three 0 for them because I just think it's going to be a walk in wow. the park, even though it's away from home. But uh, Rotherham are just yeah. After what I saw, they are just nowhere near it. Do you reckon we'll see a Sunderland striker score? <laughs> 
No, that won't happen. No. Uh, but just no, no, don't, don't, no, all right, don't. You know, I'm, I'm confident, but I'm not that confident. You know, I mean, I'm not no, drunk. Course, you know yeah. what I mean? So well, let's you, you, you yeah. got to play away, a striker to be able to score. Do you know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think Jack Clark will be on the scoreboard with ease, and that'll be about it. He'll get a hat trick. So uh, it'll be a hat trick for Jack Clark, the man who carries Sunderland, uh, and that'll be about it because. Uh, yeah, no, look, no one else can score in that team. Patrick Roberts can assist him, and that's what will happen, but that's about it. Dave, mm. yeah. what's your that thoughts was. on this one? I'm feeling this could be a mind-your-gap moment. Um, there's absolutely Ooh. no doubt whatsoever Sunderland are going to win tonight. They're going to do exactly what Borough failed to do, couldn't do. Um, you're going to stick goals past them, mate. It's going to be a comfortable win. Easy. Um, yeah, I mean, there was absolutely nothing I saw from Monday which suggests <laughs> A, Rotherham can score and B, Sunderland can't win. Um, you know, it's we were just impotent in front of goal. That's what we were. We created the opportunities. We, we absolutely mullered them in terms of possession. Um, we dominated the game, but we couldn't stick it where it counts, and you can do that. So, yeah, it's it, for me, I, I'd agree with Rye, and, and normally he's off on one, isn't he? He's, he's been sniffing the barmaid's apron when it comes to Correct. some of his predictions, but I, I'd go 3-0 right. Sunderland as well. Uh, I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance of you not winning this game. Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. The big game now on Saturday. The kiss of death on it. <laughs> the big game on Saturday. Yes. Southampton, uh, Southampton, Plymouth, of course. Uh, but there is um, Ipswich have been hovering um, in in recent weeks. But George Hurst's been ruled out with a significant hamstring injury. I mean, how's that going to affect the promotion bid, Ted? Uh, Listen, I, I think Ipswich have quite a bit of strength in depth, uh, especially at the top end of the pitch, Steve. Um, they have got options there. Um, as much as, yes, it, it is a key player for them, I, I just feel at this moment in time that with the momentum they've got, um, he says as he looks at the form and realises they've drawn two and lost one <laughs> the last three games. <laughs> yeah, let me just... Uh, just rewind that. Uh, yeah, the knack mate. <laughs> they're absolutely goosed. They might be, they might be knackered, right, but they're still sitting in second place. Yeah, no, nah, I agree. So, yeah, no, look, it's... Yeah, no, nah, you know, it, it is. You know, they, they, they might be knackered, but they're in second place. So um, I don't know what else to say. You know what I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, they're is, is George Hurst going to be a big blow? Is, is is that going to make the difference between Ipswich maintaining a position in second place in the championship? Nah. Or is it, no. Yeah. no. I, I don't I, think that's I the think single that's factor. I think this is their I test. I think this is now their test. Because, really, their factor, yeah. their factor is McKenna, their coach. That's that's what I'm saying. Is it that is, it is, they could have. They could have whatever they want on that pitch, but they have got one of the best up and coming coaches, uh, and obviously they they have got uh, and they have got obviously depth there to to get past anyone. I think, uh, but it's just uh, I, I can tell you they could get a goal out of whoever you put up front. They could have Sol, you know, Kike Solar up front, and he would score. He'd be the top leading top scorer. Such is McKenna's coaching. I am that impressed with him as a coach that it doesn't matter who they've got on that pitch. And I know George Host is a big loss. But they, but they are just that well coached uh, that you know, and they will they will stay second for, for a considerable time. I'm not uh, convinced just because of how he's coached. I'm not convinced. I'm convinced he's McKenna's a great coach. Don't you? But 
I do, I do. I think, I think their chance. I think all season, what they've been doing is once you get the initial handful of games out at the start of the season, when it's complete nonsense, it's like an empty monopoly board. You need to start seeing some 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 properties on the board. And I think what their focus this season has been keeping as close as they can on the coattails of Leicester City. And I think the last game against Leicester City, which was a draw, was their last opportunity of, of, of thinking that they can, they can remain close to them. So I think their focus now, rather than looking up at Leicester, their focus now is, right, can we, can we secure this second spot? And you've got to bear in mind, they haven't won in their last three league games. And mm. that did include the Leicester City draw as well. But you've got Southampton coming through like a freight train. Um, you've got others down there that are. I mean, Leeds. Leeds's loss obviously was uh, was a bit of a surprise, but particularly yes. Southampton. There's only what is there now? There's something like five points between Ipswich and Southampton, and I just think that that switch in focus by Ipswich, having to now look below and beneath and just play for second place, will be enough psychologically just to switch something. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see over the next few games whether they can get back to winning ways or not because if they don't I think then you'll really see it heat up for second spot couple mm. more injuries for switch though and I think that does compel, uh, you know, compound the issues um, you know, just to see how they'd cope with that they've, they've got a very balanced starting lineup, um, and alright you lose one player as much as, you know, as, much as George is a, a key part of that first team um, you know the, they'd get by but a couple more knocks, and that that form starts to get a little bit worrying. Um, yeah, I mean, Southampton. I mean, obviously we were talking about Ross Stewart. They just haven't missed him, have they? As they no. say, you, you don't miss what you've uh, never had. But blimey, uh, if they'd had a fully fit Ross Stewart, who knows where they could have been by now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, every time we hear Ross Stewart Rossi on this show, well. I keep thinking of Rod Stewart. Of course, like it's, 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 you're in my heart. Oh, in my heart. <laughs> it was interesting with Sam Morsey as well. Sam Morsey's going to be missing the next two games. I think it is. Sam Morsey was actually found to be guilty uh, from is it E three? I think it was in the FA FA charges. I think it's called E three. Uh, Chapter E3 or something, Dave, you can help me out there. But Sam Morsey was found after the Middlesbrough game to actually approach a referee or a match official and abuse them to the point where the profanity that he was used was to it was misconduct. And after the fact, he has been sort of red carded, but he was, it wasn't even during the game. But he's, such was the approach after the Middlesbrough game from Sam Morsey to a match official that he's now been cited for two games to be out. So uh, whatever he said there was pretty wild. But that's that's Ipswich captain uh, as well, Sam Moores. He used to be a borough midfielder. But, yeah, it was it was really revealed this week that he's, yeah, due to, is it under E3 or something? I'll have to clarify that E3 for you. Is, mate. He, he, Sounds yeah, like a tablet yeah, to he, me. He has, he, he's approached a match official post-court. after the game and he's been used and he's used that much level of profanity towards a match official after the game that he's been cited for two games to be sitting out. So there you go. So they've lost their captain, they've lost George Hurst as well. So Ipswich, you know, uh, you know, that, they, they, they're not they're not doing too well, but neither are we, you know, neither is any club with on front of injuries. You know what I mean? Mm. Not Huggins and knee this, you know, that is just, that's poor bloke. That knee oh, is wild. Do, I, you know, I, I mean, do that, worry about oh, Niall. I do. Oh, see, seeing that, seeing the report from that is just like that's like a car accident. That that poor kid. Yeah. And then George yeah, Hurst is obviously out. You know, I mean, yeah. And George Hurst is out as well. So, but the the other thing as well was to, to compensate with with Ipswich as well. Tottenham just recalled Scarlett as well. The 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 lone striker. 
So they've lost George Hurst to injury, but then Tottenham just recalled Scarlett as well. So, cause they're worried about their injuries. So they've, Ipswich have now lost their captain, George Hurst and Scarlett. So rumor is they're going to go for Jay Stansfield. The, uh, the Fulham striker is currently on loan at Birmingham. I think he's got about six or seven goals this season. Um, obviously, Fulham are probably looking at the Birmingham situation and going, get him out of there immediately because that's yeah, doing now yeah. for his development. So, um, yeah, he was meant to come to Sunderland. In fact, Mowbray thought he had the deal done um, for Jay Stansfield. But as it turned out, it, it wasn't. Um, and Birmingham stole in there last minute. So, Ipswich or Sunderland, a possible likely destination for Jay Stansfield once the uh, January transfer window opens again. Mm. Okay, interesting. We've got about uh, 10 minutes left of the show. Um, something we didn't touch on yesterday was uh, Bernd Leno, the, uh, the Fulham goalkeeper, um, mm. who, uh, who had pushed the ball boy uh, during the defeat at Bournemouth. Um, now, it, it's coming out now <laughs> that he's, he, he's not going to be punished. Um, there's not going to be any. He, he apologised. Um, mind it, yeah. he didn't apologise straight away. I mean, the, you know, no, the, he didn't. At the moment, the kid had a hold of the ball. I mean, we do know sometimes that clubs encourage, shall we say, uh, ball boys maybe to slightly delay throwing in a ball if it's uh, if it's late, etc. Um, but this, you know, this was a, it was a clear push by by the goalkeeper. He did go and apologise. I'm not sure whether you know he made a gesture afterwards. I was thinking, well, maybe if he gives him his shirt at the end of it, that'll be that'll be that moved on. But I mean. Should he be punished, Ted? Should he? Should he? Should he be? You know, I mean, you know, should he really be laying hands on a young kid whose whose job it is to to throw the ball back to him? Um, I mean, I haven't seen the incident, but but it reminds me of that one with Eden Hazard uh, down at Swansea, um, where exactly it turned out the, the ball boy exactly was exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. The, the the ball boy turned out to be related to one of the directors at Swansea. It's no, it is. It is. I mean, that, this, that kid was like another one where there's supposed to be about 13 or 14 year old, these ball boys, but this kid was like, you know, this kid was shaven. He was like 18 or 19 year old and Hazard pushed him <laughs> over and he, you know, there was some theatrics going on there, but he deserved to be pushed over because he was being an absolute prat about giving the ball back. I haven't seen the incident. Of course you can't go pushing kids around. That's like, you know, that's, that's, I'm, I'm not you know condoning that in any way, shape or form. But, you know, in the heat of the moment, a game like that, there's no harm being done. Leno's apologised. For me, it's it, it's a bit of a bit of an on-starter. I think as long as he has apologised and shown some remorse for it, of course, if the, if if you know if the the frustration is probably more at the club than it is the ball boy. You've been instructed right late in the game, hold on to the ball, don't give him it right back, or, or you know drop it on the ground, or just roll it away from him. The, the referee can't give a ball boy a yellow card. At least I don't think they can, Dave. Can they? Mm. Um, no, you can't give so, yeah, you it, can't give the ball boy a yellow card, mate. Um, I've seen the push. I mean, it, it really. And by the way, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, we've seen the push. Sneaking there like a ninja. Yeah, he's like ninja. Stealth. Like. Yeah, indeed. And I never know he's there until he just appears in the chair. You don't see the door open. Just um, do the heavy breathing. Yeah. Uh, the push, the push was 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 minimal. I mean, it was it was a bit powder puff, but still, it's a push, and it's more the gesture to the ball boy rather than any physical damage that was caused by the push. You know, he does, he does almost, uh, the, yeah. It's a disrespectful sort of push. The ball boy just takes his time holding That's, the ball. It's, it's out a handoff, isn't it? That's all it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But but still, it was enough for the Bournemouth players. To, to come forward and have a go at the goalkeeper so by doing that and, and this is how I'd view it from a referee's perspective 
you know, I'd, if you just did that and that was it, I'd be saying to him, you know, watch yourself, mate. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you're making, you're got making one yourself. Of them trendy haircuts it would be something as well. like it would be something like you're making yourself look like a bit of a buffoon, mate. Would be the words I'd yeah. say. But what's happened then because of that? The, the Bournemouth players are getting involved, so it's causing a little bit of a potential for a mass confrontation situation on the pitch. And that's where my concern would be as a referee: is what impact not the push has had on the ball boy, but what that whole incident's had on on my control of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that there's club direction going out to the ball boys to hold the the ball. And I guess they, they know it's kind of me, like for me, like them bending the rules a little bit in terms of like saying, right, yeah, management. you hold the, you yeah, yeah, exactly. You hold the ball up. There's nothing the ref can do. He can't red card you or anything like that. And then obviously you've got a Fulham keeper that's trying to win the game, you know, for, for, for him and he's you're not giving the ball back. Do you know what I mean? So what's he meant to do? Just wait until the ball boy takes his sweet time. It's I'm a bit with the player on this one because I mean, I know, you know, in a competitive match, if I'm out there wanting to win the game, you know, in, in you know, I can't imagine if it's Chelsea, you know, Carabao Cup final, for whatever reason, Middlesbrough need to, a, a goal to catch up and they're, you know, we're at Stamford Bridge and they're ball boy, but he doesn't hold the ball back. It just, it would frustrate me. So I can, I can understand where he's coming from, but I just think there needs to be some sort of, I don't know, maybe it needs to be looked at regulation wise or something where a referee can come in and actually, you know, say something or do something to, you know, because we've already waiting so much time for VAR. You don't want, you don't, we we're already talking about that. The half the show with the refereeing, do you know what I mean? Is how, uh, how, you know, th them controlling the game a little bit better. Well, that's prime and parcel for me is when a ball boy is wasting time and, 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 and deliberately holding the game up, I think the referee should be able to step in and either take the ball from the ball boy or just move him to another type of area of the pitch where you it's not, you will now go and sell burgers. Yeah, that'll be it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just, just wait. I just like to see you guys have a little bit more say in the matter there for me, Dave, um, because I just think it's it's not good. It's uh, there's nothing a referee can do over a ball boy other than report it to to whichever competition it is, Premier League. Is it a DFA, stoppage that would get an extra time but, added but on? Yeah, to you? no, that's absolutely it. That that's exactly what the referee could do now. And I used to yeah. use it a lot. What I used to do is if I saw. It, uh, in this case, we're talking ball boys, but there are a million other reasons how time can be wasted. I would just hold my hand yeah. up with my with my finger on you know on, onto the, the the watch basically, so everybody could clearly see I'd stop the watch, and that was yeah, that's yeah. the message used to send. And it used to send it used to send some managers absolutely berserk. You can't add it on for that. How much time? I went. You continue to waste time. I'll continue to add it. That was that. Yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. I used to say to them. Uh, a radio dad. <laughs> yeah, it was a horrible referee, wasn't he? I'm just so glad I never came across you when I was playing Sunday League. Mate. So by me. Yeah. <laughs> it was the team from Billingham that had me on the carpet always, for the first time. I was actually a very, very polite person with the referees, mate. Do you know what? It's a tactic everybody should 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 adopt. And, and I used to go into professional teams when I was out in Asia and I'd talk to them as a ref, uh, a pre-season particularly, because we used to do the rounds of you know the law changes and all that. And you, you'd always get asked, you know, how can how can we how can we help ourselves on the pitch? And I used to say, call the ref by his first name. That'll throw him completely. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. be nice to him because he'll go. You'll really make him He's take a sideways step. He's not used to it. If you be nice to him, call him by his first name. He's 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 going to spend more time thinking about. Do I know this lad? <laughs> and, and and suddenly it's a positive feeling he's getting from that team and that players as opposed to the usual abuse and and shouting and screaming and barking 
And when it comes to a 50-50 challenge, the next 50-50 decision he's got to give, <laughs> where he's not sure, who's he going to give it to? Those who are screaming yeah. dogs abuse at him or those who have been nice to him? It's yeah. just a psychological thing. One of your lads plays for New Year's Eve, by the way. I want to I know before we go. I did, I did deliberately leave this until the last moment. Newcastle, of course, take on Liverpool. <laughs> uh, no. And just before so you do, Steve, can I just give a plug? We've got Jim Pearson, former Newcastle player, joining the Good Legends lad, uh, tonight. Six till seven. Hey. So, uh, Clarkie's away, uh, enjoying himself for New Year. So, uh, Jim Pearson, uh, ex-Everton as well. I think he yeah. started in uh, St. Johnson, didn't he? Um, his career so he joins us tonight on the Legends just had to mention that one mate Sorry. Oh, very good. yeah he's a top lad ok Monday the January the 1st uh, obviously we won't be back on air until this game's been played 8 o'clock kick off live on Sky Sports and uh, Newcastle take on Liverpool um, wow out of the frying pan into the fire two games against two of the teams in the in the relegation battle Luton and Forest and uh, Newcastle come away with zero points and uh, they now go to Anfield uh, facing the league leaders uh, in a game which was shrouded in controversy uh, last time round with uh, Isaac being deemed to be offside well let's see Shadow was offside uh, Newcastle of course should have had three points down there last time uh, so here we are uh, Newcastle travelling to Liverpool Eddie House press conference uh, forthcoming of course so we don't know what the injury situation is uh, but this unfortunately for Newcastle this is Mo Salah's last game before he heads off to AFCON uh, for, uh, to represent Egypt of course uh, Mo has failed to score in any of his last four appearances against Newcastle you can bet your bottom dollar he'll get a hat-trick on New Year's Day um, but yeah as you can tell lads I'm not very optimistic about this game um, Anthony Taylor's refereeing uh, last game he took um, for a Newcastle game was 2-2 draw at Wolves in October VAR our favourite subject Stuart Atwell's on that I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing um, I am going for uh, a reserved 2-0 defeat for Newcastle in this game I, I don't think Newcastle's going to get anything from this um, if they do I will be cock a hoop but I genuinely think this is uh, going to continue the bad run continue the bad vibes on social media and I've got an awful awful feeling about it so I genuinely think Newcastle would have got uh, a good chance of getting nothing out of this game I'll settle for 2-0 I'll take 2-0 now to move into the derby uh, completely out of form and as we know going into the derby uh, form goes out the window and that'll be what I'll be hoping for when we travel down to Wearside on the 6th of January so Ted actually before, before Ted you should see the face that Daz is pulling when you're talking about you're not <laughs> expecting anything <laughs> It's amazing, you know, being in the studio with somebody, you can see all the reactions. Go on then, Ted. As well, I, I just want to draw attention to the fact that you said cock-a-hoop. <laughs> which is just, just one of the most beautiful things that's been ever said on radio. <laughs> yeah, it's... Supercomputer. <laughs> computer. Oh, I'm cock a hoop with me new super computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's tickled me, that's sorry. Um, I'm gonna get filled in when I go over there in February, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a tough one, mate. I, I, you can't really see anything other than a Liverpool win. I think you know, if, if you can somehow sort of galvanise the troops to, to sort of stand firm and, and defend that we know we know Newcastle can actually defend pretty well. Uh, if they can galvanise that back four, Dubravka show a bit of form, maybe sneak a point out of this one. But you know that that's that's at best. I think in essence it'll be a comfortable Liverpool win. I'm going for something like a two nil. I think yeah. 
Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm going for Liverpool three 0 I think Liverpool <laughs> are going to at Anfield. We're motoring Newcastle to, this morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just going to be able to. I mean, I just. I just uh, with that rumor and you know the stuff that's being said and in the way the Newcastle results have been going and stuff like that. I just yeah at Anfield as well. I think Liverpool are going to walk in comfortably and go three 0 I hope that you proved me wrong. I hope for Newcastle's sake and our good mate Steve Race fate. Uh, fate for that you are that I am wrong and we come back and we talk about a Newcastle win, but yeah I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Liverpool 3-0 okay Dave mate I'm, I've got to agree with you for once um, I'm not gonna do you any favours here um, I'd, I'd go with 2-0 Liverpool I just think they're too good too strong too on form uh, top of the table they they want to keep it that way um, I just think you're not you're not at the boil at the moment. You're you're a little bit lower, a little bit below where you'd want to be from a performance perspective. Watch, you'll beat them two 0 now. Um, but I I really can't yeah. see anything other than a Liverpool win two 0 Does yeah? Um, I don't know. You know, uh, from what we've seen this season, there's been times when Newcastle do rise to the to the bigger game, um, mm. and I think them. You know. It, Howe's going to have made some changes this week, clearly. Um, I don't necessarily mean to the personnel, I mean more about the way they're setting up and the way they're going about their games. Um, so I think they're going to be up for this. I think they're going to go to Anfield and give it a go. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm on the optimistic side. I'm, I'm, I think you're going to come away with a point. I'm going for 1-1. Okay, mm. interesting. Does your prediction for Borough and Sunderland? Uh, yeah, I think I think the uh, the Borough are going to bounce back from uh, a dreadful display uh, the other day. I think uh, they're going to win two nil, um, and I think Sunderland are going to do them three nil. The okay. Idea. Well, that's that is the last show of twenty twenty three. Can you believe we it? And we've already We've already started eating into Daz's show. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a pleasure, Have guys. A great show, Daz. Just and been a opportunity to, to thank Radio Dad for making yeah. the dream yes. come true, yes. for bringing us together, yes. and uh, giving us the opportunity to, uh, to to wax lyrical about our respective teams over the course thank of you, 2023. Dad. And looking forward and to Darren, 2024. And Darren, because I started life as a 10-minute guest on Daz's show. <laughs> yes. Believe it or not. I think I'm going to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, fellas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. It's been a pleasure. You try and be nice. See you later. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> From Yarm to Yibbe, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast.